Today on this episode of The Crossover, we will be discussing achieving your peak performance with celebrity fitness guru and health entrepreneur Don Saladino. Learn the key workout regimens, nutritional habits, and lifestyle modifications necessary to optimize your mind and body. Much more on this episode of The Crossover. Good afternoon, everyone. Going to be talking to Don Saladino today. The guy trains pretty much every Hollywood superhero, so we'll be talking about achieving peak performance. Pull him on here. Hey, Don, what's going on, buddy? I can, man. Can you hear me? Can you hear me all right? No, yeah, absolutely, man. I've been it's great to get connected with to do you. this interview because uh, you know, I've been following you on line and you know everything you preach kind of hits home with me and it really resonates so very excited to talk today man right i'm gonna do a brief you. introduction yeah. just while everyone's logging on we have the pleasure of speaking with my friend awesome. and colleague here don saladino uh, he is a celebrity fitness guru and health entrepreneur he has coached actors athletes and musicians for over 20 years opened his first gym in 2005 and after 15 years expanded to a global online fitness business He's trained some of the biggest names in Hollywood, including, I'm only going to name a few, but Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, Liev Schreiber, Sebastian Stan, Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman, and David Harbour. So uh, really a list of all-stars. In addition, he's been featured in and on the cover of Muscle and Fitness, Men's Health, Women's Health, and Men's Fitness. He has been covered in People, U.S. Weekly, Origins, In Touch, Cosmo, and Shape. He's also made appearances on the Today Show, Page Six, People Now, E! News, and WebMD. So obviously very, very well accomplished. Um, I want to you know, really talk today about achieving peak performance, not just for the Hollywood superheroes, but just for the average layperson and really get into that. So very excited, Don, to have you on today. Thank you so much. Listen, it's been uh, been hearing your name for a long time, and our and our friend Dr. Gabrielle Lyon has nothing but amazing things to say about you. So it's funny when you connect with people that you really appreciate and look up to. You also realize that you're preaching the same stuff. So uh, you're you're the one with the initials before your name, and you're the doctor. So I always say you're the you're the boss. But um, you know, it, it is great to align awesome, with, man. Uh, let's, with some pretty. Let's jump people. into kind of your background. When did you first? get interested in optimizing physical performance and the science behind it? I think the science behind it really hit in college. Before that, I was more, uh, God, I was training more because, you know, it made me feel good. There was insecurities going on there. There was, um, you know, I had a hearing problem. I had a bad stutter and uh, baseball really became my avenue to, um, I think, find significance, right? And and to find that self-confidence. And, when I found out that, you know, I could train and, God, my body would look better, but I'd be stronger for performance, that was like, oh, well, why not? Why aren't I going to do it? And I loved it. I think, but when I got to college, that for me was when I started really focusing on the optimization piece. I was like, oh, all right. I remember waking up and saying to myself, well, wow, all right, I shouldn't be eating pasta as a carb or I shouldn't be having it much. What should I have? Oh, sweet potato. It's more fibrous. It's got more micronutrients in it. That's going to better my body. Oh, easy. And I would just immediately wake up the next day and start eating sweet potatoes. And that was something that really started happening to me. I think summer going into college where it's funny story. I'll never forget. 
getting in trouble with my parents and they tried grounding me from the gym. And I looked at them and I'm like, you can't do this. And like, what do you mean? You're in trouble. You're, you're not, you go to the gym every day. You're obsessed with them. I'm like, do me a favor, ground me from going out at night, but don't ground me from something that's going to be good for my body. And they were like, you've got a good point there. You can't go out this weekend. I said, fine. Right. So it's like, this became a passion. This became an obsession, but it wasn't until college in 1995 where I started looking into optimization. But as you know, in the last, oh my God, what is that now? 25 years. I mean, that's, optimization has come a long way. I mean, we weren't really using the terms recovery. We knew we needed days off. You know, we understood the importance of that, but you weren't using terms like readiness and HRD and it might've been out there. It obviously existed, but it just wasn't mainstream. So I think every year at that point, I became such a student. I majored in business, but I was minoring in this. And um, every year as some something new was thrown out there, I became obsessed. I'm like, I got to dive into it. I mean, I've probably taken, honestly, I've probably taken well over 200 courses in my life just because I became obsessed about learning. You know, about now, learning you know, about people as might be like, wow, 200 courses, like they don't understand the complexity of human fitness, right? Everyone's like, oh, eat protein, workout, go to sleep. Kind of elaborate on the complexity and the science behind peak performance. I wish it was that easy. And if it was that easy, we would just be handing everyone a set program. But like, even me, I, I sell programs globally. There's a reason why I add a coaching component into all my programs. People have access to me. If you buy a program in London, you, you can join one of my private Facebook groups for me to answer questions. And the reason is because when you read 12, uh, three sets of 12 or five sets of five, to me, that's inconclusive. Because we're not taking into consideration the amount of stress an individual is under that day. We're not taking into consideration how their nutrition is, how their rest and recovery is, their workout intensity. All right, well, three sets of 12. Is that an RPE of, of, of 10, a rate of perceived exertion of 10? Or is it an RPE of 7? Because that's a little bit different. How much volume is included? How much frequency is included? So I'm throwing out these terms that most people are probably like, what is he talking about? But the reality is, is that every individual is different. And we all have this, I have this template that I can apply to tens of thousands of different people, but we have to call an audible, some type of variation. I like calling it like lateralizations, right? Like I'll steal that from Dr. Charlie Weingroff. I never like to say regression. I like saying lateralizations because if a rear foot elevated split squat doesn't look, work for someone because it's very knee dominant, maybe the split squat's gonna work better because we're more vertical knee tip and their torso is more upright, and we're putting less stress on the knee. So um, I think that the workout piece of it, honestly, I think it's one of the easiest pieces of it. I think there's so many other variables out there, and people get confused, right? You know this better than anyone. You, you start a diet plan, you feel amazing from it. You start a workout plan, you feel amazing, and then three months later, you're going, I don't feel the same way I did early on. And then people are confused. They're like, well, it was working for me then. Well, it's not working for me now. Why? What's wrong with me? And then they get discouraged. But um, there's a line I've been using. Motivation is really easy if you're seeing progress. The reason why most people aren't motivated is because they're not focusing on the science. They're not understanding that what is working for their favorite actor out there may not work for them, right? It's like people call me all the time. Can I have Ryan Reynolds workout? I'm like, why? Like, you don't need Ryan's workout. Ryan works on completely different stuff. I know who you are. Like, I know how you move. You don't move those the, the way Ryan moves. Or maybe Ryan is not moving as well as you. And maybe we could 
put our foot on the gas in other areas. It's not just always, well, he could do more than you. Maybe it's the other way, or maybe it's the other way around, but um, it is individualistic. And I think that's been the most difficult um, part of fitness that most people are not understanding because they want to show up to a group class. They want to go in and sweat and they feel like that, well, that's success. But then in time, oh, the shoulders hurt me a little bit more. My knees are hurting me. My lower back's hurting me. And I tell them, I go, guys, you're working out. You're not training. There's a big difference. And um, if you are feeling worse from this training effect, we may want to revisit your That's uh, such a good point you bring up approach. where a workout that works for Hugh Jackman doesn't work for someone else and vice versa. And so everything's got to be tailored and the yep. complexity of the human body and the uniqueness of everyone's environment has to be taken into account. That's that's really well said. I want to jump into uh, nutrition first, and I think that on a granular level, most people in this country literally don't know shit about nutrition. And I just I just want to get into what are some key kind of simple elements that not athletes and superstars, but lay people should know about nutrition and their daily diet. Yeah, you know. And thank you for bringing this up. I mean, this is refreshing because this has kind of been my mission is like calories. Like you look at the definition of calories, it's, it's energy. Yet when people refer to a calorie, they're referring to it as a bad thing. Like, oh, this has got a hundred calories or this is low calorie. And I'm like, well, wait a second. You might be negatively affected because your calories are too low. All of the body. Let me rephrase that. The majority of the body transformations out there in Hollywood that I've done I have not done on low calorie. I've done by getting them to a maintenance level of calories. I've trained their body to become, you know, I believe in metabolic flexibility. So it's the ability to use carbs and fat as your energy source. I do not believe in water dehydration. I do not believe in quick fixes. I understand that low carb is important for certain people. And I know out there the science behind it, but the majority of the people out there are, they're struggling to get enough nutrition in there. So if someone comes to me and they're like, I can't lose weight, I'm, I'm, I'm only eating 1,300 calories a day, I'm like, well, we're, we're not going to go south with our calories. Like, I'm not going to drop you to 1,200. Like, the human body's smart. And like, the simplest way, and I'm preaching to the choir here, but for the people listening, the simplest way I like to put it is like, you get into a car and you fill the gas tank up halfway and you start driving to Vermont. If you don't pull over for gas, the car's going to run out of gas right? Like it's just gonna, the car doesn't really know, like there's an indicator on there telling you it's long gas, but it'll keep driving until you pull off the road. The human body's smart. The human body's going to recognize less calories. And the way that I like to describe it is it's going to suddenly start saying, oh, wow, I don't have enough energy in my body. I need to move less. I need to be less active. I want to sit on the couch more. I don't want to take the stairs. I don't want to go for that jog or that workout. And you know what? That starts affecting our mood. That starts affecting our sleep quality. So what I really focus on with a lot of these people is reverse dieting. And I'll try and get them to their total daily energy expenditure. How many calories do they need in the day to break even? And then if someone's consuming 1,200 calories and we use a formula, a simple formula that's not 100% accurate, but like a Mifflin calculator that's telling us that that person needs 2,200 calories, I'm not going to try and jump them 1,000 calories overnight depending on their body mass and a lot of other variables, I might bring them up 150 and 200 calories a week, which means it's going to take me five, six weeks to get them to that maintenance level of calories. And then in time, I've seen some incredible things happen. What have I seen happen? Don, my energy is improving. 
Don, I PR'd on these lifts. Like, I, I've, I've lifted the heaviest I've lifted. Or, Don, I went and ran my best time. Or, Don, my sleep quality's improving. My aura ring's improving. I'm noticing my deep sleep's better. My restfulness is better. Things are improving. Don, I lost a pant. I lost one you know, notch on my belt, right? All these things that I call non-scale victories. And um, that is what I like to focus on. I don't like to focus on quick fixes, which is ironic in my industry because I typically have actors calling me up going, I have a month, I got to get ready in a month. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. And I'm like, all right, like, I've, had, I've had very, very famous A-listers call me up. And I'm like, how much time do you have? And they're like, two weeks. And I'm like, two weeks. They're like, what do I do? I'm like, well, let's remove cheats for two weeks. Our training really isn't going to change. And uh, go get a tan. <laughs> and then they're like, really? I'm like, honestly, like, we're not going to, like, we can tighten up in two weeks 100%. But if you're expecting to look, you know, uh, to put 20 pounds of muscle on that period of time, like, I, I, I can't help you. Like, sorry. Like, it's not going to, the now, human body you know, is not going to want to do as that. As you said before, there is no one regimen for everyone but what is like an ideal daily diet break it down like protein carbs fats how many meals a day is it five a day small three big one super large amazing question and listen i know some incredibly smart nutritionists that are doing two meals a day right now the intermittent fast early in the day but for the majority of the people i work with out there that are very active um i tell them i'm like guys it's simple math like, if you're a 200-pound male, I'm going to want you to get around 200 grams of protein. So to get 200 grams of protein in throughout a day, could I do that in two meals? Well, it's going to be pretty difficult because that's 100 grams of protein a meal. One, that's a lot of food at once. Two, is our body going to utilize all that protein at once, or are we going to store it? Right? And you know what happens when we start storing things over and over and over. But if we go to four meals a day, it's math. That's 50 grams a meal. If we go to five meals a day that's 40 grams a meal and that's why i um i like spreading the meals out a little bit more is because i look at meals as an opportunity to take my nutrition in and nutrition is not only about macronutrients as you know it's about micronutrients how powerful can we um uh, make those foods are they packed with vitamins and minerals and fiber and things that our body needs to detoxify and be powerful and for our body to hormonally to become successful. Um, I, I think the biggest argument I've gotten into, and I, I don't like to argue with people, but I'll hear nutritionists at times just say, oh, calories are calorie. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how is that possible? Like, so if, 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 if my total daily energy expenditure is 3,400 calories, I'm making this number up, and I consume 3,400 calories in from fast food, you, you're trying to tell me that's the same if I eat the way that I eat now, which is your protein, you know, that's from a very good source, your fibrous carbohydrate and your vegetable or your fruit. It's the same thing. Like my body's going to respond the same thing. And people are like, calories and calorie. I'm like, but it's not. Your body's going to respond differently. Like it's going to, like your sleep quality is going to get affected. Your skin becomes affected. There's more inflammation in your body. Things start happening. So, you know, I, I really wish to answer your question, I really wish people would start looking at calories as it could be a good thing, right? A donut, maybe not a good thing all the time, right? But having food that is powerful, fibrous, nutritious, um, if we're not getting enough calories, that car is not going to want to run. I was looking on your, um, on your IG, and you, and you stated something recently that I thought was great when you were talking about how to eat, and you basically were saying, 
water, protein, and as much veggies as you can possibly eat. And I think that's a great way. To, yeah, I mean that's not the, that's a great way to look at it, right? Because people are like, "Can I have carbs? Can I have pasta?" You just focus on the lean proteins, the veggies, and then hydration. I feel like that is the those are the pillars. Dr. Komatar, I was in I was just in Austria on a on a yearly snowboard trip. I go on with like five other friends. And trust me, I'm not weighing my food when I'm there. I'm having, you know, a couple of uh, a couple of beers every day. Um, we're eating pasta. We're, we're eating, um, you know, foods that I would normally not eat. And that's fine. But I try and stay hydrated. I try and consume enough protein. And I try and order a salad or a vegetable with every meal, no matter what I'm having. It could be pizza. I'm still trying to add that veggie in. And, you know, I really feel like that when I come back from those trips – um, I'm not feeling terrible. And, you know, fine. Is my body ready for the cover of muscle and fitness? It's still not far off. I mean, I don't mean to say that. It's not an egotistical comment. But more importantly, internally, I'm giving my body some good nutritious foods. And if it's one week out of the year, okay, we can deal with it, right? We're going to be able to bounce back pretty quickly. But those are, I think hydration is like, for me, it's, that's the one thing. Like someone's protein's a little too low. I'm like, all right, let's Let's start working on getting it up, uh, getting that protein level up. If their veggies are a little bit low, let's start working on getting it up. When someone's coming to me and they're like, I don't drink water, I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, no. Like, that's just like, to me, it's like, well, uh, do I take my time? No, you don't take your time. I need you to consume, you know, half your body weight in ounces of water. I need you to start doing that immediately. And that to me is like, that's top of the list from non We A night or two of poor sleep, yeah. fine. I mean, Dehydration. That's something I've learned recently, and I cannot echo that enough. Let's move into working out, right? A lot of different theories, when to work out, how to work out. How long should a workout be? Because it used to be like you'd spend hours in the gym. And then I'm hearing stuff that workouts should be intense, but less than an hour, so you're not catabolic. What's your opinion? My opinion is, is we got to look at the individual and we got to look at where they are. So if I have, cause the majority of the planet, they want to want it, right? Like most people out there, they're like, I just can't get consistent. And it would be easy to get them consistent if we could show them some progress. So I, I got to be honest, like I, I've taken people who haven't stepped foot in the gym or have done any exercise, which is hard to believe. I mean, but there's a Crazy. majority of our Crazy. planet out there is like that. Right. And I would get them doing something for 10 minutes a day, you know, six days a week. Just guys, do something structured. Go out there. It could be taking the stairs and, and, you know, doing the stairs with a bit of a stride. It could be going out for a power up. It could be these three exercises. Right. It could be um, some type of a lower body, an upper pull, an upper push. And we're doing rounds of that for 10 10 minutes is enough. I'm like, it is for you because you haven't done it. Right. So my my goal is to really take someone who is inconsistent with this and find out why are they inconsistent. And, and I've heard, John, every time I get to the 20 minute mark, I lose focus. I'll create a 17 minute workout for them. Right. And I, that's and that to me is what enough is. It's P90. Like you look at programs like P90X, you take any human being and you get them who they're set when they're sedentary. And you allow them to be active 90 minutes a day, six days a week, of course they're going to see progress, right? If you do that with a sound diet, yeah, you're going to see progress. Like you just did a complete 180. But my problem with some of these training programs for people is that it's too much and they can't maintain that level. You know, I had someone recently call me up and they're like, I did this diet or I did this program and I lost 20 pounds and it worked. 
I'm like, wait a second. I thought you just said I put 20 pounds on, that you put 20 pounds on. They're like, well, I did. I put it back on. I go, and it didn't work. And they're like, I'm like, honestly, it didn't work. Like, unless, unless I'm preparing someone for a movie where they have to lose weight and gain weight, if your goal is to lose weight and then you put it back on, to me, the approach just didn't work. So I think a lot of times we bite off more than we can chew. Someone might look at, you know, someone like me who's, who trains a certain way and say, God, I got to do it like Don. Otherwise, I can't do it at all. And that's not practical. Like, I mean, I've been doing this for yeah. 30 years. I've been training for 30 years. I probably, I can't even tell you how little. I, 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 can't, I probably take a week off a year, right? Two weeks off a year max. I mean, that consistently, I don't miss workouts. I, I'm always there. I always do it. It's part of my lifestyle. It's part of my survival. So I'm not expecting people to do it the way that I do it. But I think what we need to start doing is, you know, if you're someone who wants to want it, let's take a minimalistic approach. Let's start with maybe three days a week at 20 to 30 minutes a clip. And then let's go and do something aerobic or power walking another two to three days. And I think we are really off on the right foot. And then let's make some good food choices. You don't have to eat the way that I eat. Maybe I think I would say increase hydration. I would up your protein. I would include more vegetables and try and eliminate, you know, processed foods six days a week. And again, then it's then we're getting down to that whole New Year's resolution. When someone is used to having something every day and they're like, I'm giving it up indefinitely. I'm like, oh, here we go again. This hasn't worked for you your entire life. Don't give it up indefinitely. Just improve. Give me six days. But I, but I thought I have to give it up indefinitely. No, you don't. Like, if you want a, a glass or two of wine a week, that's fine. If you want to have chocolate cake or if you love pizza, go have that. Give, some, give yourself some re- reward. But um, if someone's coming to me wanting to be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness, it's a different conversation. But for the majority of the people out there, don't remove and all these things you a good you love. point about being able to maintain. And, you know, I'm clearly not at your level, but I go pretty hard Monday to Friday, two-a-day workouts. Weekends are off. Now, explain the importance of recovery, right? People are like, you shouldn't take any days off, right? But I think, at least from what I understand, is that it's critical to let your body recover. Kind of go over the concept of recovery and why it's important to have off days. You know, it's funny. It's, you know, the body takes stress in several ways. Obviously, the muscle's getting damaged. Your joints, there's a cost of doing business. Like we can't keep increasing volume, right? Because that well, volume increases muscle size. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But like with that, there's a cost of doing business. As we continue to add work at a certain point, all right, the body's going to start feeling a little bit off. And then I really believe there's this, uh, you know, effect on our nervous system, on our readiness, right? That's a lot of this, a lot more science that we've been seeing over the last five to 10 years discussing heart rate variability and readiness. So um, I think there's different variables that we have to look at. Anytime I increase my training frequency, um, it's really good for a period of time. And then I overstay my welcome. And I did it this winter. I was playing ice hockey two to three days a week. And me and my training partner, Frank Seppi, got on a six day a week program. And out of the gate, I was like, oh yeah, here we go again. But in the back of my, I, my head, I knew it was probably like, all right, I'm going to hit. And yeah, at a certain point, it was like, all right, back was bothering me a little bit. Uh, training um, uh, readiness began to decline a little bit. Strength started to dip. So, you know, I immediately went from six days to four days, um, you know, and I allowed my body to recover. And then I saw things improve and body composition actually improved as well. So the notion that more is better 
it, it really is kind of an archaic approach. And I'll see a lot of bodybuilders do it that are on performance-enhancing substances. I can't speak from um, from experience. I, I've, I've, never, I've never taken a PED. I've never done testosterone therapy. Dr. Gabrielle, I told her she's free to always share my numbers. But, um, you know, I, I've always, my numbers have always been great. So why am I going to take something that I don't need? But when you're used to working with people that are natural, I haven't worked with anyone who's on PEDs. I, I don't know, like, well, how's the volume going to change? How's the intensity going to change? How much more can they handle? But when it comes to working with natural individuals, yeah, I, I think I'm really probably one of the best out there in being able to assess, you know, what's going on in their body and call those audibles. All right, like we have the template, but templates are never like, oh, here's your template. You got to prepare for Deadpool in three months. Good luck. It's like we're, now, we're always you know, calling audibles. I think you brought up a good point about everyone is different. And I think the idea that off days are not bad, that's important. I feel like embrace those off days because that's when your body's actually growing and recuperating and getting stronger. If you could only pick three exercises, what are the best three total body exercises for, for the average lay person out there? Yeah, I mean, listen, three, three movements I'm going to tell you to find some type of a lower, an upper push, and an upper pull. You know, something that's going to bring balance into, you know, one's physique. The upper pull, because we need to work on that posterior chain. We're sitting, we're in front of a computer. Not only do we want our back to look good, but more importantly, we want good posture. We want good functionality. Upper pushing for, you know, so many reasons of strength, power, um, aesthetics, all that good stuff. But lower body to me is is everything. Like I would rather focus on goblet squats. I'd rather focus on some type of a deadlift, whether it's a trap bar or, um, you know, um, split squat, rear foot elevated split squat, farmer carries, you know, some type of a suitcase carry to me. Those are magic movements. But if I'm giving someone a program of like three exercises, I'm doing the lower, the upper push, the upper pull because it's balanced and it makes sense for their goals. But looking at great exercises – I love unilateral work. I think it trumps bilateral work. I think it's safer. I'm not a huge fan of throwing a bar on people's back, even though I do it for myself at times. And, um, but three exercises, that was my answer. But if I'm looking at program design, I'm always trying to look at a squat, a hinge, a push, a pull, and a core. Well, let me ask you a question. That to me is a if perfect you, how, how effective? People who may not have the time, may not have access to a gym, pull-ups, push-ups, dips those three exercises fantastic but you know we're not getting any lower body so i would tell you to maybe throw in some sort of a lunge like can you grab a pair of dumbbells and can you go into a walking lunge can you go into a split squat like that's probably where i would um change that like i love the pull-up naturally the pull-up is a moving plank the push-up is a moving plank so i'm really trying like on a pull-up i dorsiflex my feet i'm trying to keep my body in the stiff rigid position where I'm pulling vertically with no actual swing or momentum. The push-up to me is probably one of the exercises that I just see performed incorrectly so much. Right? People are pushing from their upper body. They're extending their, their lumbar spine. You know, um, dips, are, dips are good, but they're, I, I, I do them personally. But depending on someone's shoulder mobility, they, be, they can become very stressful. Um, so I think that's probably a little bit of a coin toss out of all those universally. Universally. The pull-up, I'd love to get everyone doing, or a chin-up, because a chin-up is going to put someone in a much more advantageous position with their shoulders. Going to a pull-up position, a lot of times we don't have 
that shoulder mobility. We're really going into this rotated position, which could become damaging on the shoulder. So I think going into that supinated position is going to open our shoulders up a bit. It's going to involve the biceps a little bit more. It's going to allow someone to be a bit more stronger most of the time. So getting them doing that, the push-up, and some type of a unilateral lower body movement, it's like three biggest myths in working out in fitness. Um, okay, well, I think definitely intensity, right? Everyone's under the assumption that Rocky's one of my favorite movies, but I also think it's one of the worst lessons you can give people because 